0: tuning in to the heartland message podcast feel free to reach out with any questions and visit us online at weareheartland.us to find out more about all of our ministries and upcoming events Well good morning everyone. It's great to see you again this weekend. I know I've said it before, but I really am so grateful for technology that allows us to join in together and worship and dig into scripture the way that we get to this weekend. But at the same time, I'm gonna say it, I miss you guys. I know that's kind of like a you know all type thing to say, but I do, I just I miss gathering together with you. I miss the little things. I miss standing out in the lobby and watching the cars funnel down Wilburn Road waiting to turn into our parking lots. I I miss seeing your smiling faces as you walk into the building and hearing your, your voices laughing. I miss tripping over your kids in the lobby and then watching them play on the playground. I miss the coffee and I miss the cookies and the muffins. Oh man, I could go for a salted caramel cookie right about now, right? How about you? What of those things do you miss? Which, which of the muffins maybe do you love the most? Which cookies do you love the most? Tell us in the chat feature. We've got it going. You're on there right now. So let's just have a little, a little fun with this. Tell us in the chat uh, which, which of those things are your favorite. Uh, I miss all of those. But even more than that, I miss the big stuff. I miss gathering together in this room. And I miss hearing your voices worship passionately. I miss looking out of the corner of my eye as I'm, as I'm worshiping and seeing people with their hands raised as we just surrender to the God Almighty. I miss the opportunity to dig into Scripture together and to do it looking eyeball to eyeball. I'll tell you what, man, when we finally get to meet together in person, I don't know, we're going to need like an all-night worship service or something. Maybe, maybe not that, but I'll tell you what, I am going to be pumped up when we finally get to meet. I think about you A lot I pray for you a lot and I really genuinely hope that you are doing well not just physically but I really hope and pray that you are doing well emotionally and mentally and spiritually I hope that if anything your faith and your your walk with Christ is growing deeper and stronger in this season I hope you're becoming more dependent on him in a good way and I'll say again what I've said so many times, if there is anything that you need that the church can help with, please do not hesitate to reach out and let us know. That's why you're part of a church family. That is why the church is the body. We, are, we have this opportunity to lean into one another. It's part of the, the benefit of being part of a church family like this. So if there is anything that you need that we can help with, please do not hesitate to reach out and let us know how we can come alongside you in this season. I'll also say that I think God knew what he was doing when he prompted us with this teaching series. Of all the teaching series that we could be in right now, of all the topics that we could be talking about, so many amazing topics that God wants to speak into our life on, and I'm so grateful that he does, that he helps us get those those topics and those areas of our life right. I love that even weeks before any of this came down the pipe, we were already in a series where we were focused 100% on Jesus himself on who he is, on who he claimed to be, and who we are in relation to him. If you're joining us for the first time, you're like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. What series have you been in? I'll tell you briefly. And We've been in a teaching series simply titled, I Am. And that, that title, I Am, for this series comes from the name of God. When Moses asked God in the Old Testament what his name was, and God said to him, I am who I am. If the Israelites want to know my name, tell them it is I That title, that name for God, I am, was this all-encompassing, powerful, past, present, and future title and name all rolled into one. It was a name that the Israelite population considered to be so holy, so precious, that they refused to say it out loud or to even write it down. And they lived with this sensitivity to the name I am for generations until Jesus showed up. And Jesus showed up, and he claims this title and this name for himself. And in the Gospel of John, one of Jesus' closest followers, a man named John, recorded seven different times when Jesus used this title to describe himself. And it would be an understatement to say that it was shocking to the people who heard Jesus do it. In fact, in John, we're told in chapter 18 that that near the end of Jesus' public ministry, he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane and some, some temple guards came to arrest Jesus. And when they did, Jesus met them at the entrance to the garden and he said, who is it that you're looking for? And when they said Jesus of Nazareth, he responded with this title and he said, I am he. And look at what John tells us happened when Jesus said that. John eighteen six says, when Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. This was such a powerful name that they literally fell to the ground when Jesus claimed that he is, I am. And it has been so powerful in this season when so many of us are filled with anxiety and fear to be reminded how powerful God is and what that means for us as his followers today. And the I am statement that we're going to look at today could not be more perfectly timed for us because Jesus made this I am statement to his closest friends at a time when they were filled with a tremendous amount of anxiety and fear as they thought about and imagined their uncertain future that was coming towards them. We're going to read about it in John chapter 14, so if you want to turn there, you can. We'll begin in verse 1. But Jesus makes this I am statement in response, as I said, to his disciples' anxiety. And here's why they were filled with anxiety. John chapters 14 through 17 record what theologians refer to as the farewell discourse. The farewell discourse as in the bye-bye discourse. These three chapters are where Jesus is telling his followers about how he is leaving them. This comes right after the Last Supper, but before he is arrested. And in this moment, following that Last Supper, it finally sank in for the disciples that Jesus was leaving them. Now, he had tried to tell them before, but it never really sunk in for them. It kind of went in one ear and out the other in the midst of the craziness that was Jesus' ministry. But on this night, Jesus drives it home and he says, listen to me, I am leaving you. And where I'm going, you can't come not right now anyway, physically, you are going to be without me. And when that sinks in for the disciples, you can just see this crushing weight that lands on their shoulders. When they finally get it, when it finally occurs to them and they realize the party is over, that their normal is done, And it's not done like in six months it's going to be done, and it's not going to be done like next quarter, so get prepared, but like tonight Jesus will be arrested and tomorrow he'll be put to death. This was a total, complete shock to their system that they did not see coming. Reality sets in and they were filled with this cocktail of emotions of fear and anxiety and worry, anger and sadness that it was over all mixed together in this weird way that they no doubt didn't know what to do with. They were feeling a mixture of emotions that was very similar to what many of you are feeling today. In the midst of the biggest pandemic our world has seen in a hundred years, an economy that is grinding to a screeching halt, skyrocketing unemployment and plummeting financial markets, our world is filled with that same mixture of fear and anxiety, worry and sadness. And as a result, we find ourselves in our world today positioned almost exactly in the same place the disciples were on that night when they heard Jesus speak these words over them 2,000 years ago. And my hope and my prayer this week has been that in the same way Jesus' words resonated with the spirits of the disciples that night, that they would resonate with your spirit this morning. Beginning in verse 1 of chapter 14, we read that Jesus said to his anxiety-filled disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. Gosh, We could stop right there and talk about just this for the next 30 minutes. But Jesus begins by pointing out that we do have some control over our emotions. That, as we learned last fall in in the series, You're Not the Boss of Me, our emotions do not have to be the boss of us. And so, Jesus encourages us to, to not let our hearts be troubled knowing that they are going to want to be troubled our heart is going to look at the circumstances around us and it is going to ring the fire alarm and go now's the time to be troubled but Jesus says do not let your hearts be troubled he continues he says do not let your hearts be troubled you believe in God believe also in me My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Now remember, it has finally sunk in for them that Jesus is leaving them and that they're going to be on their own, at least physically. But now Jesus says, at the end of this, he says, but remember, you know the way to the place where I'm going. In response to this, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Thomas is justifiably confused. He's like, hey, Jesus, come here, Jesus. Um, I, I guess maybe you missed this, but we don't know where you're going. So we don't actually know the way. I know you said we know the way to where you're going, but we don't know where you're going and we don't know the way. And it's in response to Thomas's legitimate question that Jesus makes this monumental statement in verse seven. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. I want us to dig into these three things this this morning here in just a moment. But before we do, it's important to, to note where the road ends, where Jesus was going, where he was inviting us to join him. And he tells us that he's going to be with God the Father. Jesus was inviting them and he's inviting us to join him in the presence of God himself. You ask yourself, what's the end goal of all of this, our whole world and our universe and our lives? What's the point of all of it to be with the Father, to be in his presence, to be filled with the, the love and the joy and the life that is God himself? In fact, we see Jesus reiterate this just a couple chapters later, still in the farewell discourse. In verse 17, Jesus is praying to God the Father, and he's praying for his followers and for us, and he reiterates both these points about where he's going and about us joining him there. He says in John 17, 11, as he prays to God the Father, he says, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. He says, God, look... God, I am coming to you. God, I am going to join you. I'm going to leave them. They're still going to be here, but I'm coming to you. And then in verse 24, he continues, and he says, Father, I want those you have given to to me to be with me where I am. Again, echoing this truth that he was leaving to be with God the Father, but we are invited to join him there. Thomas asks the question, Jesus, how do we get there? And Jesus responds, I am the way you get there. I am the truth and I am the life. Three things. Three simple things that Jesus claimed to be. But I would argue that brilliantly, as only Jesus could do, everything is summed up in these three things that Jesus claimed to be. Let's break them down. First, Jesus is the way. I'm sure I've told you this before about how notoriously bad I am at finding my way when I'm driving places, right? I don't know what it is, but it's like God just forgot to give my brain that function. I, I, it drives me nuts sometimes, but I think he, he kind of, he was making me, he just skipped that part. And so as a result, spatially, I have a terrible time. I, I just don't have the ability to, to feel or sense where I am in relation to other things. And so it's like if I'm in one part of the city and i want to get to this other part of the city i can't just feel like okay it's in this direction i'll just drive that direction and i'm sure i'll see stuff and i'll know and i'll figure my way out it doesn't work that way i have to backtrack to some neutral third party spot where i know how to get to my final destination from there it's it's crazy i have to go out of my way it's so annoying and as a result i end up depending on the gps in my phone like probably more than most people need to depend on that thing probably more than i should especially in the in my own city right even before I had it on my phone, I used to have one of those uh, Garmin navigation things like suction cup to my windshield. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe a TomTom. Uh, did you have those? Anybody? Tell us in the chats. Do, do, maybe you still have one. Do you still have a, a Garmin or a TomTom like suction cup to your windshield? Yeah. Um, I've depended on one of those things for years, but now I use my phone. But here's the thing. Even with that, even when I think I know where I'm going, because I'm confident, because I've got it on the GPS in front of me, I still lose my way. In fact, on the last road trip that my wife and I took with our kids, we were, we were driving down south, and I had my phone queued up, and I'm, you know it's attached to the dash, so I don't have to touch it, and it's safe and everything, and we got south of Rockford, and I'm supposed to like, make an exit to stay going south and somehow I end up on the highway still going towards Chicago and my wife's the one who noticed it. She looked up at one point and she's like, where are we at? Where are we going? John, you missed the turn. And I was like, what are you talking about, babe? I've got it on the GPS right here. And we look at it and no, sure enough, like it had added like four hours to our trip and I had to, you know, turn around and get back on the right path. And here's the thing. We all do the same thing in life. Even those of you who are better with directions than me. We all get turned around. We all find ourselves lost. We all have times in our life where we don't know where we're going or how we're supposed to get there. And many of you are there today. Many of you feel like you're lost because you don't know where things are going. And that's scary. And I get that. But I want to remind you today that Jesus wants to speak into your life and he wants to remind you that he is the way, that he is the direction, that he is the one who will get you where you need to go. It is a promise from God that if you draw near to him, he will draw near to you and he will personally carry you through this. You do not need to feel lost today because Jesus is the way. He always has been the way. He always will be the way. And even today in our crazy, crazy world, Jesus is the way. He is the way and he is the truth. Oh man, how refreshing would it be to have some truth today? Right? We live at a time when we, it's hard to know what to believe. Because it seems like everyone's an expert and everyone has an opinion and sometimes I feel like some people have a difference of opinion just because they want to stand out and make a name for themselves and as a result we have no idea what is true anymore. We have no idea today who's speaking the truth and who's lying about the truth. We don't know what news station we should be watching. We don't know what newspaper we should be reading. We don't know which blog to believe. Even doctors don't always seem to agree on what the truth is. And we're all like, can I just get some truth up in here? Somebody, please? And in the midst of all that chaos and noise, Jesus is over on the side going, hey guys, I am the truth. I'm the truth. It's so refreshing in the midst of all the craziness of the noise. It's so refreshing to remember that there is one who is the truth, and his name is Jesus. Everything about Jesus is true. Everything Jesus said is true. Everything Jesus does is true. Everything he he prompts and says to you and me is true. And because he is the truth, he is trustworthy and he is reliable. Which means you can build your life on him and his teaching and you can do it with confidence. Knowing that he will never let you down. That he will never fail to come through. That you will never be disappointed because you put your trust in Jesus. Your trust in him will never be in vain because he is the truth. Jesus is the way and he is the truth. And Jesus is the life. Jesus is the The life. Are you kidding me? Could this passage be any more applicable for us than it is today? Jesus is the life? Isn't this entire thing all about life? At the center of the entire pandemic, the entire lockdown, at its core, social distancing is all about the preservation of human life, our desire to preserve our lives. And that's good. Don't get me wrong. Please do not misunderstand what I'm about to say. I think it is a good thing. We should social distance. Go wash your hands, right? Maybe even right now you want to reach over and get a little little Purell on your hands, right? That is a good thing. I'm not saying that's bad. I think we should do those things out of a desire to lay down our lives, out of love for one another, namely those among us with weakened immune systems and especially the elderly. So please follow the rules. But here's the thing, as much as we want to preserve our life, sooner or later, we will all have to lay it down, every single one of us. I know that's not fun. I know that's not fun to, to think about or admit. What right about now is when it would be nice if Dugan would come out and start chucking some toilet paper around the room, right? I know, I get that. I feel that too. But we have to admit that, that sooner or later, as much as we want to save our life, all of us will lose our life. But here's the thing. For those of us who have found our life in Jesus, Jesus promises us that we will spend all of eternity with him and with each other. He promises us that we can have eternal life through him, that we will spend all of eternity alive and well in the presence of God himself. And how could he make that promise? Because Jesus is the life. Because there's nothing dead in him. There's nothing about Jesus that's dead. There is no word from Jesus that will return dead. He conquered death once and for all by going to the cross and then being raised to life. That's what we're going to celebrate next weekend when we gather together to celebrate Easter. We celebrate the fact that Jesus is raised to life. And as a result, all life is sustained by him. All life is found in him. All life is given by him because Jesus is the life. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And I would argue that in those three things, everything else is included as well. Someone asked me one time how I would define grace, and I thought about it for a moment, and I just said, Jesus. And they were like, you know, what? And I said, yeah, if you want to know my best definition of grace, I'd say Jesus. Now, there are other, more, maybe more eloquent definitions you could give it, but if you want to know at its core, at its most pure, if you want to know my best definition of, of grace, I'd have to say it's Jesus. Well, what's your best definition of mercy? Jesus. What's your best definition of love? Jesus. Compassion? That's going to be Jesus. Integrity? Jesus. Righteousness? Jesus. Hope? Jesus. It doesn't matter what you ask me. The answer is always going to be the same. It's Jesus because it's always only Jesus. Jesus is above all things and he is below all things. Jesus is before all things and he'll be here long after all things. All things were made by him and for him and in him all things are held together. It's all Jesus all the time in every way. And the answer to any question you're going to ask me is going to be the same. The answer is always Jesus. Man, I wish there was a crowd of people in here so I could get an amen. Can you at least give me an amen in the chats? Please, somebody give me an amen. Now, maybe you're at home and you're thinking, John, that sounds great. Maybe you're thinking, John, that sounds great. The answer is always Jesus. The answer to any question I can ask is Jesus. But, John, what do I do with that? Like, how do I actually apply that? Like, what, what's, how do I, what, do I, what am I supposed to do with that, John? That's a good question. That's, that's a good question. See, I, this is what I love about Heartlanders. Like, you ask the tough questions. And so I appreciate that. And what I would say in response would simply be, this, I think this is so brilliant. I think this is only Jesus can do this. This is why he was the greatest teacher of all time. The answer is all the other I am statements think about it how do you tap into the power associated with the fact that the answer to any question you are asking in your life today is Jesus how do you tap into that you apply all of the other I am statements that Jesus made do you remember what they are do you remember them and how to apply them Let me remind you of them. The first one that Jesus made was when he said, I am the bread of life. Jesus is the sustenance we need. Jesus is the fuel to our fire. We experience the power of God when we live off of him, not simply the food we eat or the work we do. As Christians, we live life by consuming Jesus and his word. We eat it, we breathe it, we listen to it, we internalize it, we analyze it, and we apply it. We do not live off of physical bread and water. We live off of every word that proceeds from the mouth of Jesus because he is the bread of life. Jesus also said, I am the light of the world. This resonates with us because nobody wants to live in the dark and we don't have to because Jesus is the light of the world. So when we place our life in him, we live in the light because he is the light. And that changes everything because in every single situation we face, we bring the light into it. We shine a light into every dark situation we face. And when you shine a light into a dark place, the darkness flees and Jesus is the light. Jesus was the bread of life or is the bread of life. Jesus is the light of the world. And he said he is the gate, meaning he is the entrance He is the path in. Jesus is the way. How do you get to the place that you want to be? You walk through the gate that is Jesus. He is the bread of life. He is the light of the world. He is the gate. He is the good shepherd. Mike Dugan reminded us so powerfully last week, while dressed up like an actual shepherd, shepherds are not some wimpy kid that had nothing better to do, so they sent him out to hang out with the dumb sheep right? Shepherds were tough. They had to fight off wild animals. They were strong. They were brave. They were courageous. If we had shepherds in our culture today, I have no doubt it would be the people who do CrossFit. You know what I'm saying? Right? Like every once in a while, I meet a girl and I think to myself, I have no doubt she could beat me up. And whenever that happens, I ask, you do CrossFit? Yeah. How'd you know? It's obvious, you know? We, we can tell. We just, it's, it's pretty obvious. So if we had shepherds in our culture today, I think it would be the people who do CrossFit because they were tough, they were strong. And Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, which means, get this, he is fighting for you. He is fighting on your behalf. He's got your back. He is in your corner. You may feel like you are taking a lot of punches and that they're landing, but you've got this because God's got you. He is the bread of life. He is the light of the world. He is the gate and the good shepherd. And my personal favorite, Jesus is the true vine. Jesus said that he is the vine and we are the branches. And he promised us that if we abide in him, he will abide in us. And when that happens, he promises us that our lives will produce good fruit. And not just a little bit of fruit but a lot of good fruit. I love that promise. I love the promise that no matter how scary the situation is that you're facing, you can remain connected to God himself and that when you do that your life will produce good fruit. So let me encourage you in this season, do not detach yourself from the vine. If anything, make that connection all the more strong. Stay connected to him. Abide in him. Remain in him so that your life will produce good fruit so that you can get on the other side of this. And when the world is losing its mind, you will be able to see your life has produced a lot of good fruit. That is a promise from Jesus. That if you remain in him, that's exactly what will happen. So what's the takeaway of this? What's the implication? Well, I think it's twofold. I think that this has implications for both you personally, and I think this has implications for the people around you who you love the most. Let me tell you what I think they are, and this is where I'll land the plane. This is where we'll bring it to a close. But for you personally, the takeaway is simply do not let your heart be troubled. Don't let it happen. Don't let your heart be troubled. There's going to be a lot of things thrown at you that will make your heart want to say, now is the time that I should legitimately be troubled, but don't let that happen. You do not have to let your heart be troubled. And you don't need to, so don't let your circumstances dictate your spirit. Jesus claimed that he is the way and the truth and the life So let him fill you with his spirit and allow his spirit to speak to your spirit. Let him speak the truth into your life. Listen to his voice and trust him, but do not let your heart be troubled. And as I said, I think that this should have implications for the people around you as well. Because you love them, you want them to to know the way and you want them to know the truth and you want them to know the life that is Jesus. And here's the thing. Next weekend is Easter Sunday, and Easter is like the single easiest weekend of the year to invite someone to go to church with you. And the really crazy thing is that next weekend, they don't even have to go to a church building to go to church. They can just log on and get credit for it just the same, and it's going to be an incredible service. Our team has been working behind the scenes to prepare a fantastic Easter service. It is going to be a celebration of the fact that Jesus when he laid down his life out of his love for you and me, he took it back up again conquering sin and death once and for all, and that means that Jesus is the answer for us even today. And so just tell them, just just tell your friends or your family, you know, share the link, post it on your wall or 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 make a I don't know, blog entry. Clearly, I'm not the most tech-savvy person in the room right now. You know, text it to them. I don't know, but share the link and say, hey, why don't you join me for an Easter service at Heartland next weekend? It's going to be great. And who knows what God would do through that simple step of faith of you extending an invitation. Somebody's eternity could be forever changed because you made a simple Facebook post. That's crazy but it's true. I hope you'll do it even before you log off today. I hope you'll just click on a new tab and you'll do it right now. Share the link, make a post, send an invite. And this week especially, but it's true for every week, do not let your heart be troubled. Let me pray for you. And then we'll respond in worship. Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful for these I am statements. And Lord, I'm especially grateful for the timing of this one in the midst of our crazy world to be reminded that you are the way and the truth and the life. Lord, you are the answer to any question that we could be asking. So will you help us to find those answers in you? And will you help us in this effort to not let our hearts be troubled. Lord, let our lives be glorifying to you and liberating to people around us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and everyone who agreed said amen. Thanks for listening to this Heartland message.